Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Gay With God podcast, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Or are we still searching? The stories you hear on this podcast will melt your heart and strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible and you can be authentically gay with the God of your understanding. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Gay With God podcast. I'm your host, Midge Noble, and I'm so glad that you are here. I want to tell you that I have been so thrilled to have people reach out and have some interest into being a guest on the Gay With God podcast, and I hope to get those folks scheduled soon and that they can work their schedules out and we can get to know their story. In lieu of that, I'm back again this week for another episode of Midge. And I, and I appreciate your patience with that. And um, one way that you can help with that is that you can also be a guest. If you uh, would love to be a guest and have me honor your story and to tell your truth, I am so open to doing that with you. And so just go to empoweredmidge.podbean.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and you can choose be a guest and let me know that you're interested and I can't wait to hear and honor your story. So today, when I was thinking about what I wanted to do for you guys, is I thought that I wanted to tell you a little bit about the journey I have been on to continue to grow my faith. We talk about on this show coming out and our faith journey story. Well, as you know, coming out is a process. We don't just come out and we're done. We come out and we come out again and we come out again because there's always new situations and new people that we meet. And there's always a reason to include people into our private lives where sometimes we may keep it a little bit quiet. Other times we need to speak up. Our faith journey is the same thing, that we are on a journey of experiencing and learning about God, usually when we're little at vacation Bible school or in our Sunday school classes or just in our families. All churches are different. All faiths are different. And so your journey with your faith is going to be very different from all of the rest of the people. Even if you're in the same denomination or the same faith, we have to be ourselves. Um, you know, in the in the church, in the Bible, it talks about working out your own salvation. And that's a big topic. But if you break it down to the midge words, it just kind of means do it your way. And, you know, you have to be comfortable with how you step into your faith and your relationship with God. It is an individual journey. And hopefully that individual journey can still be in some kind of a community. I do believe that trying to do things completely on our own and by ourselves, even though it can be done, and some people do it very well that way, for me, I need community. I need to be with people who are feeding me spiritually as much as I am able to feed them spiritually. And it may not always be even, but, you know, as a community, we are there for one another. And I can tell you that without the parish that I have connected with, 
my faith journey would not have taken off the way it did. And I would still be struggling, I think, more than I am. And part of that is because I met the people of this parish and I met the priest right at the time that I was, you know, the business we were in was was closing. I was starting the coaching business, Empowering Awakened Hearts, LLC, and things weren't good back then. You know, there was an election that we had to go through. Roddy was attacked and ran away and in three and a half weeks of looking for him kind of shut some things down for me. Um, it was not easy. The pandemic happened. I just started to, to find my way back to church at some level. And then the pandemic hit and we couldn't be together. We did survive online and Father Joe did an amazing job of providing an Easter series of videos, he and his wife, Kristen, uh, to keep us connected through all of, you know, Easter week. And, and it was just, it was harder, but yet I knew that I was on the right path because I couldn't let go of any of that. I mean, that would have been the time to turn around and walk away. Well, the pandemic and you can't be together. I don't have to go to church anymore. It'll be fine. I'll do it on my own. Like I always have, but I could not then do it by myself. I really loved being a part of a community. We would meet on Zoom with the priest, you know, every week or so and and be able to catch up with each other and catch up with him. And I I just really learned that this is this is how I get fed and this is what makes sense to me, probably because I grew up in the church and it was connected with my belief that you had to do things, you had to show up and do things in order to be accepted. So I want to go a little bit deeper into that journey. And I also wanted to introduce you guys to the four C's of transformation. What's that you say and ask? I'll tell you. So when I was developing my coaching practice, one of the things that we did was we created a business plan and we came up with what platform we would run for our coaching practice. What would make sense as far as like, who are we serving? How are we going to serve them? What are we going to be doing? Dr. Wayne Dyer, if any of you guys know him, he used to talk about, you know, challenging things and changing things. That was his big thing. And I loved him. I loved his writings. I loved his uh, presentations and his books. And I really became a devout fan of Dr. Wayne Dyer. And in my memoir, you will probably hear one of the stories that I won't go into now, but it talks about a night, they call it the dark night of the soul. And I was in it. I was in it. He had written a book, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, Living the Wisdom of the Tao. And he was being interviewed by Ellen DeGeneres. And that was the day that I was just got kind of like just sitting in front of the television and just watching all these things that came on. And I was watching Ellen and he came on and I thought, wow, if there's any time that I need to change my life, and if that means changing my mind about how I see things and how I perceive things, I need to change something because I was really in a bad space. And so he got me through a lot in I was actually able to tell him how much he meant to me one time when I went to a presentation he was giving and I was able to talk to him afterwards and I shook his hand and I told him how much he meant to me and that meant a lot to me to be able to let him know that he had changed my life. So I 
created my platform, the tiers of my coaching practice on his philosophy of taking charge of our own mind and body and spirit and changing the things that we need to change. So the four C's of transformation are catch it, challenge it, change it, claim it. And here's how it worked out for me. First, I had to recognize that the space I was in was not really faith. It was a spiritual practice, but I was still running from the belief that God thought I was a beloved of his. I did not believe that. I had been trained not to believe that. I had been taught that. I had been told that the scriptures said that. And I read the scriptures and kind of believed that. I was stuck in this place of craving and needing a spiritual practice and wanting to believe that there's a creator of all that is. Because I don't believe in the Big Bang Theory with the cosmic rocks clashing together. I really had in my soul a belief that there had to be something. I didn't know anymore what that was. I didn't know how to believe in a God that I didn't know who his people were and how he got here and how it was all done. Still don't know that, but I still don't, I didn't understand how to get from that and mix in that you're an abomination and you're going to hell anyway. So why the world would you go to church? I couldn't understand why I kept being pulled back. And I had left church, you know, once I realized I was gay, once I realized that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that would in the church that continued to condemn us. I was like, you know, I'm done. Okay, fine. You know, I didn't read the Bible anymore, but I did meditate and I did pray to a creator of all that is for guidance a little bit. But a lot of times it was just, you know, me kind of doing it on my own and kind of throwing a prayer out there every once in a while if I was in crisis, but I wasn't really in a relationship. I didn't have an ongoing conversation. I didn't have it on that level. And I almost thought that I did. I really did. I really thought that my way of doing it was pleasing to the creator of all that is and that I was showing up. I was showing up in meditation and quiet time. I was showing up, you know, doing my yoga practice, which I never made that a religion. I know in some places yoga is very spiritual. For me, it was just moving and getting my body fit and and feeling good about my body. But the meditation was more of the spiritual practice for me. It was enough almost. And I felt pretty good about it. But then there was this little nagging thing that kept just kind of pulling at me that, you know, it's not, it's not enough. It's not yet exactly right for me. And I would be pulled back to church a couple of times. I kept trying to go back and the memoir will go into more detail there too, about some of the things that I experienced trying to go back to church and why I kept leaving church. And of course, the bottom line over the whole thing has to do with, I could not find an affirming church in my community that was close and easy to get to. I had found a spiritual uh, body of people as I was just trying to come out. And right after I came out in Greensboro, but that's a, you know, that's a not really far away, but it's far enough away that it's inconvenient when you've got a lot going on and you're trying to, you know, get everything done on the weekend traveling you know, an hour or over an hour out of the day is really, you know, I did it for a long time, but it was, it became uncomfortable to go there. And then I decided I'd, you know, I would try to find something closer, which never really happened. The one time I thought I had done that, it just really turned out ugly. And I 
I stopped going to church altogether after that. So that catch it, I had to really think about what is it that is not settling for me? What is it? And it all happened when I was leaving the business that was closing and opening up the practice. And I realized, huh, I've titled this Empowering Awakened Hearts, LLC, with the idea that I would serve my community, the LGBTQI community, and I would uh, be able to help folks as the, through their coming out faith journey stories. But I didn't realize that I hadn't really completed mine yet. I'd completed my coming out and I was quite comfortable with that, but I was not really in a journey anymore to complete my faith journey or to work on it. It was more of a, I'm just in this little spirituality component. And I was still scared to death to go to church. I didn't want to go in a door. I didn't want to be a part of any of the church stuff that goes on. I didn't have any desire at that time to go to church. Now, I, I didn't have to go to church to open up Empowering Awakened Hearts, LLC. I had been a therapist for over 30 years. I, I knew what I was doing. I knew how to coach people through tough times. And I did all of that while being spiritual and not religious. And people did benefit from my, my service. But for me, authentically, I knew I wasn't being authentic because I was talking about a conversation and a relationship with the creator of all that is. Everything I put out there from my soul still spoke the words of what it was that I was craving. And I still hadn't realized that I didn't have it on the level that I really wanted it and needed it. So then I had to decide. Okay. So I caught it. I know what it is now. I'm not empowered. <laughs> I'm scared to death. I don't want to go to church, but you know, courage is all about being afraid and still stepping in leaning in, maybe in the beginning, instead of a whole step, you know, a tiptoe in, but it's still courage when you are up against something that is a challenge for you and you realize it's a challenge for you. And then you still make some sort of movement toward completing that, whatever it is, that's the courage. It takes courage to move into a place where you've been condemned. And try to make it so that it fits you again, or maybe fits you for the first time. So I decided that I was in, I'm going to challenge this. Was I going to fight for my faith? Because I really felt like before my faith had been stolen from me. You're telling me, even though I've been to church all my life so far as that point, I'd been baptized. I'd been in the youth group. I had gone to you know church camps. I went to a Bible college. I got a BA in theology. You know, I was doing all of this thing. I went to India. I built the church with this group. Yeah, I was doing things. It was all that doing, 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 but yet it wasn't grounded in, in any kind of faith that sustained me. It, my faith could be shocked and rocked for any reason, any reason at all would be, oh, well, you know, <laughs> I don't want to believe in that anymore. I can't, you know, everything was a, a crisis because I didn't have a foundation to know that the winds are going to blow, but I am still in that center with God. And I didn't have that. 
And there are times today I don't have that. It just really, you know, it's still a journey, but yet I'm so much further than I've ever been before. And I'm much more grounded than I've ever been before. So I decided to fight for my faith. Now I know I didn't really have to fight for my faith. All God said, I'm here. <laughs> Turn around, Midge. <laughs> Take a look. We're all here. I, I would talk about it, but I didn't really have it. Although I did, and I didn't even know it. You know, God's always been within me. I say that in, you know, in the exit that we do, God has always been within me. Even when I didn't know it, that's where that all came from. Even though I didn't know it, God has always been with me and in me. And, and I believe that the Holy Spirit in, has been moving through me. I believe that's why I get pulled into things and guided and pulled back to church. I believe that I have been always in this spiritual connection without really knowing it in my brain and in my, in my heart. So did I believe that I could do it? And I wasn't sure. Yeah. I really didn't know if I could do it, but I knew that I was not standing in authenticity, which is one of my big values. I love honesty and integrity and authenticity. And I was not living that, although I thought I had been. So that's where that when we know better, we do better thing comes in for Maya Angelou. And it's so true that when I started to know better, when I realized I'm really not where I thought I was, and I'm really not living the life I thought I was living, I was speaking it and really not living it. Then I knew that I needed to do something different. So that's when I started to really lean in. And it was something that that I really had to do work around and about. It wasn't an easy fix for me and it's still a journey. Um, so one of the things that I did the work about is I had to question the doubts that I continue to have, you know, who is God, you know, how can I continue to believe in him when I don't even know how this all happened? And I did the work. I interviewed the priest to make sure that I was going into a safe place. You know, I, we talked about this on another episode that I don't believe that we should just walk into a church and expect to be embraced. The sign welcome to me is a lie in most cases, not all cases, but in most cases, they welcome everybody because they see everybody as a sinner they need to pray for. <laughs> so when you walk off the street, you know, somehow they're going to find out what's your, you know, what's your thing? You know, are you gay? Are you a drug addict? Are you this? Are you that? They kind of look for people who they believe and they judge as not okay with God. And they welcome you in so they can pray and they can save you. I didn't want to be in a place where the prayers for me meant that they were praying behind my back because I was still an abomination to them. You can pray for me for a lot of things. You can pray all day for me, but not to clean me from an abomination that I don't think I have. And you may always think that I'm an abomination, but I will not be sitting in a pew with a whole bunch of people who believe that and not let me serve in the capacity that I'm being called to serve in. So in my childhood, I was doing things to be loved by God. As I started leaning into this parish and 
you know, going through the confirmation classes and learning about the Episcopal church and understanding some of the things about how they, how they basically lived their faith. It was so welcoming to me and it was so open and so affirming. And I've, as I've said before, I know not every person in that parish believes that a gay person should be probably in service or believes that we're not going to hell, but it is a quiet minority, I do believe. And the people that I have uh, gotten close to and I've served with and I've been in communion with, they do believe I have every right to be there. And they do believe that I can be gay with God and that there is not a problem with that as far as the scriptures go, because they've learned how to look at the context of it and, you know, pull those verses apart in the original context, in the original language. And we are now convinced that I'm not going to hell for being gay. And I, I am doing what I need to do in order to sustain and build and grow in my faith. So when I decided that that was the parish that I could be a part of, it was still a struggle because taking those, the, and they, they were baby steps. I took baby steps to get connected because I struggled with, well, what if it doesn't work? What if I try again and it doesn't work? And I had tried and been burned so many times that I just didn't want to do that again. And yet, I believe Holy Spirit just kept nudging and pulling a little bit and pushing a little bit. And it made it so much easier because the people were so welcoming, not pushy. You know, not pushy, but welcoming, just loved talking to me, would call in one person in particular would call and check on me and not to badger me to come to church, but build a relationship with me, which I really appreciated that, you know, don't make me feel guilty about not coming to church, you know, build a relationship with me. And if you've heard other podcasts before of me talking about um, my, my girl, Jane, who walked the streets of, uh, you know, our community every day that I was looking for Roddy and miss church because of it. And, you know, because she is the church and the church serves and being on the streets with me looking for our baby was exactly church for her. It was her serving somebody that she cared about, probably Roddy and not as much me. <laughs> That's what her husband said one day, you know, she loves Roddy a whole lot more than she loved you. <laughs> And it's okay if that's true. <laughs> I've loved Roddy more than me sometimes too. So, But it was still a struggle. So I took those baby steps. I went to an outdoor ice cream social, even though I'm vegan, I brought my own ice cream and, um, and met with people and got introduced to people and everybody was so gracious and so welcoming. And I got to see them just being them instead of in church. And it was so nice to meet and connect with folks. And then it took a while um, and I kept hanging out with the friends that I'd met um, and some of my friends that went to Good Shepherd. And I didn't even know they did because um, we never talked about church when we were together. Um, but they they and I started hanging out more and talking more. And um, I tried the outdoor chapel one time that uh, where they there was some benches set up and a table and we had an outdoor service and a communion. And that was the first time. I had ever taken communion the Episcopal way, 
And it was so sacred and so connected to, to something inside of me. It just really spoke to me and I loved it. So I kept going. It was Wednesday afternoons around noon. And so I changed my schedule and rearranged everything to be able to go to that outdoor chapel. Cause in my head, I wasn't really going to church. I was outside and we were having a little thing and I kept, that's how I kept, you know, tricking my brain into thinking I wasn't really leaning back in, even though I probably knew that I was, um, it was still trying to trick myself into not panicking, I think, and to continue to go on this journey. I then began to have some, some pretty good sessions with father Joe, and he was very patient and very kind as I would sometimes rail against God, question God. I was scared. Um, I would cry. This was a lot of times during when, when Roddy was missing and I would, you know, just feel like I was going to drown and I just couldn't, I didn't know how to keep going. And I would call him and say, do you have time today to talk to me? And it was always a yes. It was always a yes. And he spent a lot of time just listening and giving some sage advice and answering questions. And there were some questions that there was no way he could answer because none of us know that much about God as far as like where he came from and how it all happened. And he continued to just sit with me in my, in my lack of faith and reminded me that my tears are prayers. And it just, I can't tell you how much just, you know, being in the presence of someone who is so, so faithful and so uh, devoted to his faith and to totally accept me exactly where I was and not expect me to do anything different, you know, not to give up anything, any practice I was doing, that it was the kind of come as you are and you're, you're worthy just because you were created. God created me and I am worthy and I am beloved because I am God's creation and I don't need anybody else's approval. And yet back then, I, I did. And I still do like approval. I can't say that because, you know, those of you who follow the Enneagram, I am a two. And so getting external approval is very helpful for me sometimes. But um, anyway, but there were complications during this time that I was trying to lean back into a church and to, to grow my faith. We had the 2019 the election was happening. You know, that went terribly wrong for me and many gay people um, still don't understand how some of the gay people voted for that person. But, um, you know, Roddy was attacked and was missing. The pandemic happened. And just as I was leaning more into church and I had taken the confirmation classes and I'd actually gotten confirmed and joined the church and the pandemic hit. And then we couldn't go to church. And Father Joe did a great job of doing videos, you know, for the Wednesday Healing Chapel. He he would do Zoom meetings. He really did a lot to keep us together. And then he got sick. And even when we could go back to church, he couldn't be there because he was having a liver transplant at the end of all that. So, you know, it, it's been a huge, 
huge challenge to get back. And even though I was taking the steps and I was changing things, I was changing my mindset. I was changing how I lived my life. I was changing my connection to the church. I was finally able to go to an inside chapel when, you know, we weren't going to do it outside anymore. I was able to go and bless little chaplain Casey, who is father Joe's dog. She sat right near my pew and kept me kind of petting her so that I could stay calm because the internal angst of being in a church setting again was so frightening for me and so hard to get back into it that, that I almost couldn't sit in that pew. And so that journey continues to be one of ups and downs, but I did claim the fact that even though my faith may have been stolen from me, I am going to lean back in and I'm going to reclaim it. And when I did that, I really felt like I was bringing honor to my own story. When I brought honor to my own story, I was able to then be able to say that I'm free of some of that fear. And it's not that I'm never fearful about the religious part of it. I am. And yet it doesn't sway me the way it used to sway me. So I don't sit around in fear about I'm going to go to hell. I don't sit around in fear thinking that I don't have God's favor, but I can tell you that when the priest got sick, I did wonder whether or not me coming back to church was somehow, you know, a toxic element coming in. You know how the rotten apple comes and ruins all the other apples? Well, I really kind of had that feeling. And I had been told in college that I had committed blasphemy at some point, the unpardonable sin, and that, um, that I pretty much could not be redeemed from that. So I've always had that little thing in my head, even though I've had many people tell me that that's not true. But, you know, once something is logged into your head, when you're feeling really fragile, it takes a while for that not to come back up when you are in situations where it would normally come up. So, you know, Having, having these things all happen, the business clothes that I was working at, the dog gets attacked and gets missing. I'm trying to lean back into church. And then the pandemic hits and we can't go to church. I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> maybe toxic mid should not have gone into church. And then ah, now the priest is really, really sick. And I really struggled with that. So thankfully, there were people that I could talk to that... Um, were able to ground me and remind me I'm not that powerful. (laughs) Not that I thought I was powerful, but it did seem to be a power thing where I would think that I would have the power to have all these things, bad things happen in the world. But see, people reinforce that because we gay people have been nailed for like the Katrina flood. I mean, you look at those preachers that come on and say, well, that's because of the homosexuals in that area. And I mean, they're always blaming us for all these world catastrophes. So yeah, I'm going to think that I might've gotten the priest sick because I came to the parish with my little toxic self, but none of that is true. None of that is true. And if you've thought that, you know, I've got your back, right? Because I understand where you're coming from. And I will say to you, none of us are that powerful to create a worldwide pandemic or a worldwide flood or anything like that. That's not us. Okay. We're not that powerful. That would be the creator, God, all that. So not us. 
So here's how things have changed and how I've grown since then is that once I got back into the parish and, and into church and I was, you know, going to services, I was doing my daily office, which for the, for the Episcopal church, that's basically, you know, devotions throughout the day. And there's a, a way that they, we do that. And, um, it's so grounding and so healing for me to be in conversation with God first thing in the morning again and, and go not always healing to go through the scriptures. Cause I still don't understand all of them. And sometimes they tick me off and some of them just are just awful to read. Um, so learning more about context and trying to discern, you know, where this came from, who were they talking to? Why would they do it that way? Is this a parable? Is this the truth? You know, it's all still kind of a jumble for me right now, but I'm leaning back in because doing the BA in theology at the college was not the same thing as really delving into the context of this scripture and looking at it from all these different angles and thinking about how, how it was written back then. And it's all different. So I'm leaning into all of that. Um, I attended church online, even at the cabin so that I stay connected. And even if I've missed something, you know, it's not like I feel like I've, you know, done a bad thing. I just love it. That's the whole point. I just love going and I love being a part of it and I love connecting and I really love Father Joe's sermon. So, yeah, I, I never want to miss a Father Joe sermon. So if, even if I have to go back and relook at the video that was streamed, I, I want to see the sermon. Um, and I've I've leaned into some spiritual direction where I, I have someone that I really trust and I have been able to, ha- to have some very heartfelt and deep conversations with and get some clarification as to where I've come from and the wounds that I've had around the church and just around coming out. And it's been very, very healing for me as I continue to open myself up to provide that for other people. The other thing that I've done is that I have joined some and volunteered in some ways where I can give back and serve not to be in God's favor, but because I love service and I love being a part of the church. And so I want to be part of that community to give my talents wherever I feel like my talents could serve others. That's, that's something that just lights me up. And so, um, I joined the tech team so that I could help. Well, first I joined the tech team just to call people and see if they could have access to the internet while we were during the pandemic. And can we get them online for church? Um, It turned into me being a part of the team that can now live stream the service. Uh, I'm not as efficient at that as the other folks, but I do it from time to time. Um, And then I really felt like I wanted to, somebody asked me to volunteer, to be a lector, to read uh, in the morning, the Sunday morning service, uh, the scriptures. And that was a struggle because I was more anxious than I, I ever knew that I was anxious in front of people. I was having to wear a mask and I, I couldn't do, wear a mask the whole first year of the pandemic because I'm claustrophobic. It took a, a, over a year for me to be able to wear it. Um, and I needed to wear it in the beginning to read and I kept losing my breath and it was they were very kind because it was really, really a very difficult struggle. And, um, but I did, I, I, I chose to volunteer as a lector and I've, I've grown every time I've read, I grow a little bit more and I get much more confident. Um, 
And then just, just a few weeks ago, I had this nudge, you know, I get this nudge and I believe it's, I, I now believe it's the Holy spirit that, you know, continues to work and move through me and, and guides me into things and, uh, and calls me to things. So, um, I, I got this nudge to be a Eucharistic minister. And what that entails is that during the, the communion, the Eucharist, that I am an assistant as far as uh, taking either the chalice with the wine or we're doing the also a, a dribble. We have a cup with a little spoon that we can put something on someone's communion wafer uh, if they don't want to sip from the common cup. And I trained to do that. And so this past Sunday was the first Sunday that I actually got vested. And vested means that you wear um, a Eucharistic minister robe and walked in the procession to uh, be on the altar and and do not only read that morning, but also serve as a Eucharistic minister. And for me, stepping into that part of it is so sacred. And I have felt so at home doing that. It just felt like it fits me. It just fits me. Um, I, I also have done some pastoral care uh, at the church and, and I, that's a fit for me too. So uh, I just believe that all the time that I lost whatever journey I might have been on, all of the journeys I did go on to get me to this point have all worked together for me to now serve at my highest and best way. I continue to have moments where I just don't know. I don't know where I'm headed. I don't know how to always get there. But one thing I do know is that I am open. I am open to whatever I am called to do and I'm open to wherever I'm called to go. I want to be a part of not only my gay with God community, but I want to be a part of the greater community, how I can serve. I heard something yesterday, though, that somebody was talking about a patchwork quilt and that, you know, there's so much that goes into that. But the bottom line of that whole story was that you don't need to make the whole quilt. When you go into a quilting uh, community, you know, everybody makes a square and it then it all gets combined into this beautiful, big, wonderful uh, colorful quilt. And the only thing I'm responsible for is to work on my square, right where I am, right what I'm doing. And I may travel somewhere else, but right now I just need to work on my square. And my square right now is me to continue to grow my faith, to continue to be authentic, to live with integrity and love and compassion. That's what I'm called to be. Love. That's what I'm called to be is love. Bottom line. And so as I love myself, I can continue to extend that love and now understand that God's love comes through me because God is within me. And my service to God is not to get God's approval. My service to God is a way for me to serve because I have God within me. And that's a beautiful place to be. And I hope that for you, 
And I continue to hope that for me and, and for all those who seek that. So I want to thank you for taking this transformational journey with me and being a part of the four C's, catch it, challenge it, change it, claim it. And if you ever want to have support to get your coming out faith journey story on track, you can always reach out to me. Go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com and scroll all the way down and you can see how to connect with me. So thank you, listeners. Thank you, supporters. Thank you to all the guests that have been on the show. I'm now extending the invitation to all of you who are listening. If you have not yet told your coming out faith journey story, wherever you landed, whether you got back into church or you chose not to, or you have a totally different faith that you embrace as a member of the LGBTQIA community, I want to hear your story and I want to honor your story. So remember to continue to come back each week. Thank you for subscribing, supporting, and sharing this podcast. And if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with the God of your understanding, if you are authentically LGBTQIA+, God has always been within you. Even when you didn't know it, you have always been gay with God. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Stay tuned to hear how you can join the Gay With God community and check out the Facebook group, Gay With God. Come join us for a monthly Zoom group meeting called Faith Journey. And remember that if you need a little coaching and you would like support from me, go to the show page at empoweredmidge.podbean.com. Scroll all the way down to the bottom and see how you can connect with me and how you can sign up to be a guest. Thank you, everybody. Love you. See you next week. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4 a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.